0: Hello and welcome to Engage with Eagle Forum, a podcast to encourage the modern day woman and her vital role in shaping society. I'm your host, Tabitha Walter, the political director of Eagle Forum. Now, over the last couple of years, I've been wondering about the true state of our nation. I've been working in national politics for over six years now, and I've learned so much by seeing firsthand how things operate in DC. It has really informed my conservative views, but It also seems that being a conservative doesn't exactly feel like a badge of honor these days. I also get to work with amazing people who have been working in this field for much longer than I have, and they have so much drive to continue. So it also makes me wonder what keeps them going and what gives them hope. That's why I've brought on Becky Norton Dunlop, who has done so much and has so much experience to share with us. I was going through her bio and I was like, oh, her bio alone could just be an entire podcast. So (laughs) let me mention a few things about her so you can get to know her real quick. Becky Norton Dunlop is a prominent leader, strategist, and counselor in the conservative movement. Previously, she served as political director to the American Conservative Union she advised former President Ronald Reagan on many occasions, eventually landing her role in his White House. She had several positions in the Reagan administration, including serving as a senior specialist or, uh, senior special assistant to Ed Meese, then attorney general in charge of managing cabinet level domestic policy issues. She oversaw major policy reports on the environment, the family, federalism, tort reform, privatization, and welfare reform. I think that touches everything. (laughs) And then after being Deputy Undersecretary of the Interior Department and as Assistant Interior Secretary for Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, she served from 1994 to 1998 as Secretary of Natural Resources for the Commonwealth of Virginia in the cabinet of then-Virginia Governor George Allen. She was Heritage's vice president for external relations from 1998 until May 2016, and then served on the Trump transition team. In 2002, President George W. Bush appointed her for a part time post as chairwoman of the Federal Service Mm Impasses Panel. And then she has several leadership roles, she serves on many boards, and she is also currently the Heritage Foundation's Ronald Reagan Distinguished Fellow. So I I left a lot of specific details out of that, but that alone is just amazing. So welcome to our podcast.
1: Thank you. I'm delighted to be with you and delighted to be with your audience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So First of all, tell us how you became interested in the whole political realm. Well,
1: it goes back many years, as you might imagine, from my, uh, I like to call it silver hair. Uh, <laughs> some, some people get it out of a bottle, but no, mine's <laughs> God-given. Uh, well, I was actually in junior high school when Barry Goldwater ran for president, and as all of your listeners know... Uh, that is when Mrs. Phyllis Schlafly was making big waves mm-hmm. in America. Um, and uh, in eighth grade, that was middle school at my time, the, we took U.S. government. And our U.S. government teacher said, well, What we're going to do is we're going to have presidential debates here. We're going to have one student represent Barry Goldwater and one student represent Lyndon Johnson. Well, I of course eagerly volunteered to represent Barry Goldwater because my brother had given me a copy of a choice. He did give me a copy of a choice, not an echo, but also a Barry Goldwater's book, which I read. And I said, Hey, I agree with everything in this book. Uh, And then I read Phyllis Schlafly's choice, not an echo. And it, underscore all my uh, my ideas and philosophies. So I volunteered to be the Barry Goldwater stand-in. Well, in the entire eighth grade, I was the only student to volunteer to be Barry Goldwater. Wow. So I had to do all the debates. So needless <laughs> to say, I got very passionate about my Goldwater positions and Barry Goldwater and uh, really realized at that time, I think how important, uh, the the idea of being involved in the political system was mm-hmm. uh, my parents, uh, you know, brought us up as, you know, Christians and and therefore if you have a biblical worldview, you're also I think a conservative because I draw my political philosophy straight out of my Sunday school lessons. Mm-hmm. So I I became very interested in the whole idea of being involved in politics and was very competitive. When I went off to college, I decided, well, I don't know if I'm a Republican or a Democrat, so I'll research these two parties, and maybe I'll join the young college Republicans and the college Democrats and, and see what I can learn. Well, there were no college Democrats at Miami University in Oxford, <laughs> Ohio, but I did join the college Republicans and read all the material about what the Republican Party stood for, and I said, hey, I think I'm a Republican. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of got me uh, directly connected to the party politics, but I always knew I was a conservative first.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and even young people today who do any researching on the United States senators who are serving uh, understand that you can be a Republican and not be a conservative. Mm-hmm. And so you have to really decide what you believe and why you believe it. And if you are a conservative, you might find yourselves on the outs with some Republicans from time to time because they get, you know, drifted off to the left and buy into some of this, you know, big government is good government and all Mm -hmm. that bloody. So we're, we're for ordered liberty, constitutional government, individual freedom, the free enterprise system. Uh, True capitalism, I like to say, not this phony stuff or or, um, crony capitalism, which is alive and well in America today. Uh, Strong national, traditional values, of course, which are very important. And then why are we for a strong national defense to defend these core principles? And so I got very invested in the principles, knew I was a conservative and wanted to be involved in the political process and to advance the principles that I believed in.
0: That's wonderful you know my story isn't much unlike yours because I was in fourth grade when the um, the Bill Clinton Bob Dole race was on wow. and and uh, they we did like a similar like a mock uh, election day there in school and so I was the only one who didn't vote for Bill Clinton and wow. so yeah um, it's funny how those little things, in school or in your education system can really spark something that you end up doing for the rest of your life. Well, I
1: think that's true. And the other thing it does is it makes you know whether or not you have the courage of your convictions. Mm -hmm. Because when you're the only one in the school or in the class who uh, supports a candidate because you've become knowledgeable about what they stand for, uh, it really makes a difference, and I know there are lots of people who probably disagreed with you but admired you for taking those stands, and it goes a long way, I think, toward helping make uh, adults who have a principled view of the world and are are courageous about it, and boy, I'll tell you, parents today, they have to be courageous, don't they?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm seeing that firsthand, and my, my kids are little, but whew, I know I have a big big mountain in front of me to overcome soon. So not looking forward to that, but, (laughs) um, so you, uh, you were talking about how you read a lot of material to figure out, like, are you Republican? Are you Democrat? Um, what, what were some of your experiences throughout your life that really solidified to you that you were conservative?
1: Well, I think it really started with my parents, uh, you know, helping me understand the Bible. I mean, I tell everyone I'm a committed Christian. I believe the Bible is the word of God. And so for for my family and for me personally, learning the lessons in the Bible gave me the foundation uh, that, uh, you know, on which I built all the elements of my life and the principles that I live by. I often tell young people, um, uh, you know, there are 10 commandments and and they're important to to know and understand. And the reason God gave us the 10 commandments was to demonstrate to each of us that we're not perfect because we can't keep them. But then I said, then there's something called the golden rule. And uh, every great religion in the world has something akin to the golden rule. Hmm. Which is do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Mm-hmm. And uh that is uh that's not only an important personal principle to live by, uh, that actually would be an important principle for how we live our lives. Uh and government should follow this rule. You know, do no harm. That's the physician's oath. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember I recall very well a meeting that I staffed for. President Reagan, he was visiting with Bill Bright, who was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, which was a worldwide student organization on college campuses. Mm -hmm. And when Bill Bright and his wife came out of the Oval Office, I took them back to my office to, you know, see if they had any questions and needed anything. And uh, Bill was saying to me, you know, Becky, I had a wonderful meeting with the president and the president had named him chairman of the year of the Bible uh, Mm. commission. And he said, but you know, the president said something very interesting in our conversation. He said, well, Bill, (laughs) President Reagan always said, well. And uh, he said, if we, you know, if we live, if everyone would just live by the golden rule, we wouldn't need all these laws and regulations. Mm -hmm. And Bill Bright said to me, "You, you know, I, my first reaction was, well, that's pretty simplistic. And then he said, then I thought about it. And no, that is profound. Right. I mean, why would you need environmental laws against pollution if people did not pollute other people's property? Mm-hmm. Or why would you need jails if people treated others the way they wanted to be treated? So I, I say that to say, you, you know, you, you, you have some, uh, I have some of these foundational principles which are really drawn From an understanding of what I believe is the Word of God, I mean, Mm -hmm. if you don't work, you don't eat. (laughs) I mean, that's in the Bible, right? Yeah. So I mean, these are the kinds of things that you 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 can learn, and then you draw from those life principles that are guiding you uh, morally and spiritually and personally, and then you look to well, what should my political principles be? And you can see uh, as you think through that how our founding fathers, the founders of our country, even the women who were involved in the founding actually either were Christians or had studied the Bible and understood the rightness of the things that they Mm -hmm. read in the Bible. And that's incorporated uh, into our founding documents. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, our founders understood that Man is not perfectible, not perfect and not perfectible. So mm-hmm. they made the Constitution a Constitution that could be amended. Right. Yeah. And that, of course, is a wonderful way to resolve issues that were wrong in our country at the beginning. And people then began to understand how do we make this right? And a majority of the Americans uh, mm-hmm. amended the Constitution that way. So your your political guiding principles can can come out of things that you've learned really as a youth that are your personal principles. And when you apply those in our governing ideas today, it makes you a conservative.
0: <laughs> right. Right. No, that's so true. You have so no true.
1: choice, really. You have no choice. If you if you believe the Bible and you want to follow the Bible and have the Bible guide your political principles, then you have to be a conservative. Yeah.
0: Well, there <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> we could end the podcast on that, but that's there it. You go. We <laughs> no,
1: should have a quiz from all the listeners. If they right. have any questions.
0: <laughs> no, that's so true. Now you're talking about, you know, Ronald Reagan and and the things that he, he talked about and you, you got to rub shoulders with him, which was amazing. Can you tell us, I think we, a lot of us think back on that time as kind of the good old days, but <laughs> obviously I wasn't around to experience those. And so can you tell us um, what things were like back then as far as conservatism and politics versus how things are now? Like, I, I hear a lot of people saying how bad things are now. So is it really that bad? Is there an ebb and flow? How, how did it shake out over the last you know, few decades?
1: Well, you know, it's a, a, an interesting thing to think back on because I remember the first time I met Phyllis Schlafly. I was a young staffer here in Washington D.C. in the early 1970s. There was no conservative political action conference gathering young conservatives from around the country. Hmm. I was on the staff of the American Conservative Union and ACU and a couple of other conservative groups organized a leader a, a leadership meeting of about 30 of the top conservative leaders in the country. And guess what? As you might suspect, Phyllis Schlafly was one of those. Mm -hmm. And so here I was as a young staffer, having only been in Washington for a short time, staffing this meeting and in walks Phyllis Schlafly, who, of course, I had admired ever since I read Mm -hmm. A Choice, Not an Echo, which Mm -hmm. everyone who's watching this should have in their bookshelf. Yes. And I, of course, immediately stood up and stuck out my hand and said, hello, hello. I'm Becky Norton. I, well, I was Becky Norton and I wasn't Becky Norton. I'm Becky Norton. And she said, well, I'm Phyllis. <laughs> and I thought, wow, here I am just a kid. And she's telling me she's Phyllis. And, you know, I know her as Mrs. Schlafly. Well, we we actually became friends that day. But I say that to say this was in 1973. Richard Nixon was president. <laughs> and Richard Nixon was a liberal Republican. He had moved left, 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 started all these new programs, started EPA. We could go through Oh, many of the things that happened under the Nixon administration. And so the conservatives were standing up in many respects against a Republican president. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> right. And deciding what do we need to do to move forward to make America conservative, bring about mm-hmm. conservative leadership. And so this little group of 30 key leaders from around the country were coming together to meet and talk about uh, next steps, steps forward. <clears throat> really out of that meeting came two thoughts, not just two, but two thoughts which are central to dealing with our issues one we needed to have a national conservative conference that would allow a lot of conservatives to come together to reinforce their own beliefs to encourage them to organize conservative groups out in their home states and begin to identify other conservatives to kind of get a you know a movement really growing going and growing and of course the first CPAC then was in 1974. Mm -hmm. Phyllis was a featured speaker at that as she was I think at every CPAC while she was uh, living because she Mm -hmm. was a brilliant woman and very well spoken she could Mm -hmm. articulate what she intended to communicate in a few words plainly and clearly that nobody could misunderstand right yeah that's very important for all of us So my my point in saying that is, you know, back then we had a moderate to liberal Republican president, uh, and uh, the conservative movement knew that if we wanted to win the country for conservatives, we had to get ourselves better organized, and and Mm -hmm. that began that effort. Then it was in 1976 that um, uh, Jimmy Carter was elected president. And of course, Jimmy Carter, who was the peanut farmer from Georgia, was kind of an unknown. He turned out to be in the pockets of the globalists and the lefties and mm-hmm. the left wing of America. <clears throat> so he moved he moved the country leftward as president. He, uh, you know, we could go to, into many of the things that he did uh, starting the Department of Education. I mean, mm-hmm. this was a Jimmy Carter Problem and it's still a problem today. We haven't right. been able to get rid of it. What you know, government programs are the closest thing to eternal life on Earth. I <laughs> uh, think Ronald Reagan said. Uh, so the conservative movement, in the meantime, is just growing and nurturing itself all across the country. We had lots of new organizations spring up across the country, uh, and in 1976, at the Conservative Political Action Conference the conservatives said, we want Ronald Reagan to be our standard bearer. And so everybody got busy trying to get Ronald Reagan nominated. And in 1976, of course, he had lost the nomination to Jerry Ford, who then lost the presidency uh, to Carter. So when we were getting organized, we we didn't know after 1976 if Reagan would be able to run again, but we got all these conservative grassroots people out there and they got involved in the Republican Party uh, organizations in the states and they, they became delegates and they got on the platform committee and they uh, went to the 1980 convention. And we were persuaded that we had enough people in the Republican Party then to nominate Ronald Reagan for president hmm. now. Communism was taking over the world at this time. I mean, communism was taking over Africa. The Iron Curtain was up. So Eastern Asia was completely mm. communist. They were in Western Europe working hard. They were in Asia. Uh, they were in South America. They were in the Caribbean. They were in Central America. And they were on our college campuses. No surprise there. Yeah. I mean, they were communism was taking over the world. And it was very, very dire for young people like myself. And um, we didn't know if we were on the losing side. But we got organized. We nominated Ronald Reagan. We got our people involved in the party process. And in 1980, we elected Ronald Reagan president. And that became a huge change uh, in the way the world worked. I can't say that we had a a conservative Congress, so we didn't have a conservative Senate. We had Republicans, but we were not able to get all of the things that we uh, wanted as Reaganauts to get passed. Uh, uh, President Reagan had to work with Tip O'Neill as Speaker of the House, but he got his tax cut through. He didn't get 30% in the first year, but he did tell Tip O'Neill he was going to get 30%, and O'Neill eventually compromised, and we got 30% over three years. Well, that still was huge. Right. He reduced capital gains. Uh, We reduced the top top tax bracket. Uh, He reduced the number of domestic employees in the federal government, Mm -hmm. Uh, the employees that weren't in the military. He built up the military. And he did something that was very important. He used the bully pulpit. He told Americans, what he intended to do. And then he went about doing it. He said, Mm -hmm. I'm going to restore our economy so that every American who wants a job will be able to have one. And I'm going to restore our national defenses so that we will be able to uh, stop communism. And then we will transcend communism. We won't Mm -hmm. defeat it. We will transcend it. And then he said, I'm going to restore Americans' view of themselves, their confidence that we as Americans can do anything. Now, I went through all that to say we're in a very dire situation today. I mean, we have communism has re-arisen, if you will. It probably stayed alive on American college campuses longer than anywhere else in the world. Uh, American college campuses are the only place in the world where people who believe in the communist philosophy never understood it doesn't work because they live in a capitalist system. (laughs) <laughs> right? It's un- unbelievable. So but but communism has come back. Of course we have Islamic terrorism out there uh, on the world front. And uh, so I what I want to communicate is we, we, we just we haven't lost yet. We haven't lost yet. Mm-hmm. but it does look very dire and it's why everyone, everyone who believes what we believe not only needs to vote, Mm-hmm. they can't say, my vote doesn't count. You have to vote, and you have to get twenty people who agree with you to go vote too, right? Yeah,, uh, because if we don't vote and we have open and free elections and hopefully honest elections. I mean, we know that's a big question these days, but we we can't give up. We have to try, right. And I think if we do try and we are successful, that we can turn this ship of state around again, uh, listen, the rest of the world looks at America as the last hope, the last best hope for mankind. Mm-hmm. So, we have a responsibility, those of us who live here and believe in constitutional limited government and, and uh, the freedom of the individual to live their lives according to their beliefs. We have to fight, it's our responsibility.
0: Right, exactly. Well, let's talk a little bit about voting and how. Um, our conservative values play into that. You just came back from voting in your state election. And this year we don't have, um, we aren't voting for our congressman or senator um, on a federal level, but many of us have state elections or even local elections. And it's just as important, if not more important to, to participate in those elections. So um, let's talk about uh, the Virginia election. We, we both live in Virginia and we have two very stark candidates. And it, I think one embodies conservative principles and one embodies the progressive agenda. So can you talk about that and how um, you see things playing out?
1: Yes, yes, I think that's very important. And, and let me go back to the point uh, that you made uh, about we all have the responsibility to vote and really vote in every election. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that we have seen in the most recent days is this unbelievable debate across the country about critical race theory. Mm-hmm. And this is an issue. It, it is pervasive in the public schools, but it also creeps into private schools and into charter yeah. schools. Uh, and I'm sure that somebody's trying to get it into the homeschool curriculum. Although <laughs> that's where the people pay most attention to what they're teaching their children.
0: Right.
1: This is a very, this is very, very, very bad. It's it's un-American. It's not truthful. It is a pack of lies, and yet they're trying to feed this to our children, and probably have been doing so under the cover of night, if you will, for the last right. 20 years. Uh, but this is an issue on which. People take stands at the local school board. Mm-hmm. In local elections, they have to take a stand on this because oftentimes local officials appoint school board members if they're not right, elected. Yeah. Uh, so that's why conservative uh, individuals need to be involved in every election that comes down the pike. Mm-hmm. In Virginia, Terry McAuliffe is the Democrat candidate. Uh, he supports teaching CRT in schools and in fact recently on a debate stage made the point uh that he doesn't he rejects the notion that parents should be involved at all in knowing what their children are being taught in school and having mm-hmm. any say in it i mean this is the village taking over the kids if you get my drift
0: right and and he's not even hiding his true feelings like these are the true colors of the progressive agenda in and- they they feel very emboldened to to just that they spit feel it out very on.
1: very emboldened very yeah. emboldened and in fact uh, the there's a third candidate in Virginia elections uh, who is um, uh, probably even more liberal than Terry McAuliffe she, she's a she's a minority and Terry McAuliffe won't give her the time of day <laughs> because I think he's afraid that if people know that there's a third candidate on the ballot. She might take some votes away from him. Mm-hmm. So instead of this, you know, Mr. Openness, like they all like to claim they are, no, no, he doesn't want her on the debate stage at all. Right. Yeah. The Republican candidate Glenn Youngkin has not been involved in politics before, uh, except to vote, and I think he hasn't even voted in every election, which is not a good thing to have on your record. But nevertheless, I think he's learned his lesson about that. <laughs> but he he wanted to get into politics because he is a lifelong Virginian. And he has watched Virginia go down and down and down and down. And he said to his wife, "I've got to leave the business world and run for governor because we we, we want to save Virginia. And he, of course, wants parents involved in their children's right. education. He wants them to know what they're being taught. Uh, he, he does not support uh, this CRT business and has said when he's elected governor, uh, that he will, on, on day one, begin the process uh, of not permitting it to be uh, mandated in public schools uh, across the Commonwealth. So it's a very stark difference. Right, yeah. Not the only issue on which they differ, but I think that uh, when, when you think and you believe that the family is the building block of society parents do not want their children to go to public school and have all of the values that the parents have passed along to the children to be stripped away and have them fed untruths. And so that is a fight Hmm. worth fighting for. And it's it's, it's the, the distinction between the two candidates is very, very stark.
0: Right. And I think a lot of people in different states are seeing this play out in their own states as well. Um, it, Eagle Forum has, has a pack. And so we've officially endorsed Glenn Youngkin and some of the other conservative candidates who are running for office, because we feel like Virginia is a state that is very influential um, because we have Northern Virginia that's so close to DC. And there are a lot of um, people who are, are making a difference in this area. And then you have the uh, a lot of other places in Virginia where it's, it's kind of the, the soul of what America is. And we, we have farmers, we have um, blue collar workers. And so it's such a diverse state that it's so important that we have someone who's leading it, who really cares about the people and cares about the families who, who live here. And I'm sure everyone feels that way about their state as well. Um, but we, we saw a good opportunity to invest some in, endorsements and money into the candidates who are running. So, um, so if you, if you're listening and you're from Virginia and you want to check out our endorsements, you can, you can head over to eagleforum.org and check those out. But, um, but well,
1: I, th- I think that that's very important that you guys are doing that. And, and let me just say, you know, Glenn is clearly pro-life. Mm-hmm. He believes that life begins at conception and ends with natural death. Yeah. Tara McAuliffe and Ralph Northam, the current governor, I mean, they're they're for abortion after the baby's been
0: born. Right. Yeah. They want yes. to
1: allow it to die on the on the uh, stainless steel table in the operating room. I mean, it's right. unbelievable. Unbelievable. Right. So there are many, many issues on which the differences between these two candidates are enormous. Right. And everyone needs to pay attention. Now, you talk about Virginia being a key race. If we cannot win an honest election in Virginia, first of all, we have to have an honest election, which, you know, is very dicey in Virginia. Right. We can right. go into that, but we won't, well, maybe we'll have time. But uh, we have to have an honest election. Then we have to have Virginians who share the values that we're talking about right now. They have to take the time to go and vote, and they should go and vote immediately, the first day that they can go cast their ballot. They sh- they should not wait till election day. They should go and vote right. now to make sure their vote counts, and they should vote up and down the ticket. I mean, Glenn is great. Winsome Sears, a black conservative Republican woman, mm-hmm. who served in the Marines. Yeah. Her father came as an immigrant. She is. Living the American dream. Jason Millares, our candidate for uh, attorney general, when I say, are, oh, I'm talking about conservatives. Let's mm-hmm. not forget about party labels here for a minute. <laughs> right. Jason Millares came as a young boy Cuban. His mother escaped communist Cuba. She's taught him about freedom versus communism. Mm-hmm. He's a bright young guy. And the scurrilous attack ads I've seen made against him, uh, you know, are, 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 are defamatory. Mm -hmm. It's shocking. So, those are important. And then down ballot, you have school board elections. I mean, what's going on in Northern Virginia and I'm Mm -hmm. sure in other places in Virginia at the school board level is unbelievable. Right. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, So, it's very, very important. I mean, we need to, everybody needs to get out there and make their voice heard.
0: Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I'm with you. And um, I still need to vote, but I will do that soon.
1: (laughs) Go as much as you can. Go right. so As soon as you can, because I remember I was telling you earlier, somebody could request an absentee ballot in your name, get that ballot and vote it. And then when you show up to vote, the election official will say, well, I'm sorry, you've already voted. And then a big mess, you get a big mess. Right, so go right. and vote as soon as you can in person.
0: Yeah. And and each state's voting laws are different. A lot of them are similar, but just knowing that that could happen is is just is jolting like yes that that lights a fire in me to just you know get it done make sure everything's right yeah so make sure you know if you're listening make sure you go vote maybe do it right now i don't know
1: that's right go as soon as you can and everybody that you know who shares your values Mm -hmm. they have no excuse now i mean our country was built By people who wanted the citizens to be in charge. Mm -hmm. And we
0: citizens have to take charge again. Right. So you mentioned a lot of the key issues. Like, uh, I I mean, most of it is our family issues. And when it comes to life and education and work and, you know, all of those good things that help us thrive. Um, I think a lot of young people you know, we've been there and we, we talked about our experiences um, growing up in school or or college. Um, A lot of young people are trying to find where they belong. And there's such a loud voice right now saying that, that you should be part of the liberal agenda. And that seems more um, attractive or more publicly known. So what would you say to those young people who maybe find themselves drawn to conservative principles, but are afraid to speak out because maybe they don't know enough, or maybe all of their peers have different views than them. Well,
1: I just like to remind young people that uh, everyone has one of these—a mm-hmm. cell phone—and you know, one of the reasons young people like the cell phone is because it makes them independent. They're not dependent on a landline. Mm-hmm. A lot of young people start their own internet businesses. They want to be entrepreneurs and they don't want to have to have a storefront. There are so many ways in which the young people of the day have uh, instincts about being self-reliant and being independent. And yet they have uh, they have been force-fed this idea of free stuff, free stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch, my friend. Somebody right. is paying the bill. And so what I, I like to encourage young people today is, first of all, be the leader that you were meant to be. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you're the only one in the group, think of yourself as a contrarian and be happy about it. Mm-hmm. You would be surprised how many young people agree with you, but they're afraid to speak up. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't want the in crowd to make them part of the out crowd. So they just go along. No, listen, America is the land of the free and the home of the brave. And part of that is because we want people to be free to live their lives according to their values. No dependency on the government. That means no getting checks for not working. Uh, the government should have a safety net for people who are truly needy. And right. if you are truly needy, then I am for you taking advantage of the government programs. But if you are not truly needy, then don't do that. Mm-hmm. And be just be a leader. And I, I just w- want to encourage uh, young people to, Think about the independence that they want to have with their iPhones and their entrepreneurial online businesses, uh, and and uh, they don't need big government to tell them how to live. Right. Uh, so, but we need to fight for what we believe in. We need to fight for the liberty that our forefathers
0: right. passed along to us. Right. And and they're not alone. There are conservatives all over the nation. So just because you know your small bubble seems like it's mostly liberal, expand a little. Like you can meet tons of people online, and I, I'm all these conservative organizations in the area have programs to get involved with where you can meet people just like you, and and you you can have a debate with that you know isn't going to turn sour or 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 you you. Can, don't have to be afraid of someone canceling you. <laughs> so that, that's right. That's
1: exactly yeah. right. And you know, you can have debates on issues that are civil. Right. Yeah. We what we have seen is an outpouring of honest hatreds and meanness mm-hmm. toward people, right. even people in in high office, uh, because the 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 totalitarian mentality of the left is: if you don't agree with us, we're going to destroy you. Right, the politics of personal destruction has come right down to the neighborhood and the school, and we just have to stand against that. We have to stand against that. And uh, if if you're if you feel like you're alone out there, you can email me at the Heritage Foundation. You can email Tabitha. You can contact the local Equal Forum chapter. Any and all of us would love to be your friend and to Mm -hmm. help make you the leader that you were designed to be
0: absolutely yeah well becky you um do so much work obviously what is there a place that people can go to follow all of your work or are you kind of in and out all over the place
1: well i travel a lot make speeches um you know, work with a lot of different organizations, uh, but I my home base is the Heritage Foundation in Washington, D.C. Uh, you can reach me through the Heritage website or on my email, B.N. Dunlop, B.N. Dunlop, as in tires and tennis balls, at heritage.org. And I'd love to be able to uh, connect with anyone who's interested uh, in developing a personal relationship or getting some advice. <clears throat> You know, what are the top 10 books you've read or you think we should have in our library? And the other thing I would say is I work with a lot of organizations like Eagle Forum. And I know there are wonderful people in all of these organizations. And uh, the key is family, neighborhood, community. If We get those things right. We can save America again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. Well, thank you so much, Becky, for joining our podcast. And wow, this, this is going to be shared a lot. I already know, because there's so much, there's a wealth of knowledge just in this podcast alone. So I'm excited. Now, um, if you are listening to our podcast, be sure to subscribe, share with your friends and leave us a review. We would love to share Becky's voice and face around (laughs) all over the internet. So in a good way. <laughs> so, good. please do that. <laughs> but you can find us on all the major social media outlets and at engagewitheagleforum.com. So, from your house to the State House to the White House, this is Engage with Eagle Forum. Thanks so much, Becky. Thank you.
1: Thank you. God bless you.